Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. BC's push to boost vaccinations. Just come in and we will find a way to get you your vaccine. Why Walk-In Wednesday comes at a critical time with a disturbing jump in cases. Key evidence caught on camera. I've always wanted there to be an investigation. Why the man who filmed this altercation is coming forward when no one reached out to him before. And luring workers. There's a hotel I know up there who's offering retention bonuses and season bonuses. The carrots some companies are offering to get employees in the door. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. Well, if you've been feeling like we are in the home stretch of this pandemic, think again. Today's numbers for the province are an attention grabber and another reminder of the importance of getting fully vaccinated. We have 342 new cases recorded in the last 24 hours. Currently, there are 1,764 active cases. Hospital numbers are up slightly with 55 patients, 23 of them in the ICU. Thankfully, no new deaths to report tonight. 81.5% of people aged 12 and older have had one dose of vaccine, while nearly 68% have had both doses. And with COVID-19 cases surging again in our province, the first walk-in Wednesday events were held across BC today. As John Hua reports, the initiative targets the nearly 1 million British Columbians who still haven't had a shot. And you're just going to keep your arm relaxed. No registration, no appointment, no problem. Vaccination clinics across BC are taking a shot at delivering more doses with a new initiative called Walk-In Wednesdays. And I've talked to people. It's, it's in my neighbourhood or it's around the corner or I was walking by. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and do it. The convenience of coming to the Langley Event Centre without needing an appointment. Enough to convince Connor Campbell to get his first dose. It's not easy for me to go online and, and register, so I just, with the opportunity to just walk in and get it done, I thought it'd be much easier. Another reason that has many sitting around center ice waiting for a syringe, the aggressive spread of the Delta variant. It's, it's so much scarier to, to think, and, and it'll keep uh, mutating as it goes on, as the nature of a virus does. At least before school, uh, just because I think school is the place that is most affected. And when it comes to the Delta variant, here's the score. As of July 24th, the BC CDC says it made up for 61% of all COVID-19 cases across British Columbia. That number jumps to 89% in the interior health region alone. And modeling suggests the number of cases caused by the Delta variant could be doubling every seven to 10 days. Having two doses of vaccine is very, very effective against this variant and against the next one that's going to arrive as well until we get a hold of this virus globally. All done. In Kelowna, where there's the combination of a high number of active cases and low vaccination rates, the hope is walk-in Wednesdays will help curb this worrisome trend. It's so close to home, 
why would you not? As the province tries to tackle the spread of the Delta variant, which seems to be increasingly a few steps ahead. John Hua, Global News. All right, Keith Baldry joins us now with more on the numbers. Keith, Dr. Bonnie Henry did warn us we would see an uptick in July mm-hmm. and August, but it is still concerning and anxiety-inducing. Yeah, I don't think they had anticipated a number like 342. That's a very high number. But it does reflect the fact that there's still a lot of people unvaccinated out there. The Delta variant is very, very contagious. And our positivity right now has gone up. And it's not just the interior folks. Other health authorities experience a bit of a surge as well. So take a look at the positivity rate. This has increased significantly. We were below 1% in many parts of the province just a few weeks ago. Now over 11% in the interior with almost 800 cases in a week. Fraser uh, up his well, Vancouver Coastal, where it's also getting concerning here on Vancouver Island and in the north, the positivity rate has really climbed significantly. And the case numbers are the most in the last two days than we've seen for weeks. So it's not just an interior problem right now. It has spread to other parts of the province. Dr. Bonnie Henry making the point in our morning news today. This was anticipated. We have to learn to live with a virus. And what we're seeing now is also a reflection that more people are traveling around the province. And as a result, we're going to see some more infections. Here's Dr. Henry. We knew that as more people traveled, more people got together, that the virus was still here. And this is part of us learning to live with it. But we also have this really important tool now that we know is very effective, and that's the vaccination. So, yes, it is concerning. And um, the, the, the worry is that in local areas where there's a large numbers of people, larger numbers of people who are non-immunized, and right now the cell Okanagan is the, the heart of what we're seeing, this virus can still take off and it can make people very sick. And unfortunately, expect the numbers to continue to be very high, Sophie, because it's going to take some time to get more and more people vaccinated in some of these areas which have very low vaccination rates. In the meantime, the Delta variant continues to fly around almost unchecked if you're unvaccinated, which means, again, uh, the plea is go get vaccinated. It's the one way to the best way to avoid getting uh, the Delta variant, which can make you very ill. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Well, there are growing calls today to make vaccinations mandatory for healthcare workers, but not everyone is on board with the idea. As Jordan Armstrong reports, BC nurses say staff should be encouraged to get a shot, not made to do so. Italy, France, and Greece are among nations ordering healthcare workers to get vaccinated. The same should be done in Canada, says the Canadian Nurses Association and the Canadian Medical Association, which represents physicians. I think it's always challenging for governments to make these decisions, but I think our job as leaders in healthcare is to sometimes make difficult decisions and lead with science. And I think the science is clear. These vaccines are safe and incredibly effective. Facing a fourth wave and a plateau in vaccine uptake, Dr. Catherine Smart says the healthcare system and patients, especially vulnerable ones, can't afford to wait. We do know that there are pockets where the levels of vaccine are not optimal. And and what we need is for that to change. So what is BC going to do? Dr. Bonnie Henry is warm to the idea, but says talks with stakeholders continue and stay tuned. Everybody who works in long-term care must be vaccinated, and that's something that we're working on right now. And we have a number of uh, uh, policy and orders that are in place that will be coming into place in the next few uh, weeks. An employment lawyer we spoke to says government does have the power to make vaccinations mandatory for health care workers, but adds their unions could choose to put up a fight. Arguing that it's, uh, it violates their, 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 their 
the right to the security of the person. So it's 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 simple to do. Well, whether it'll be upheld by the courts is 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 a, is a different question. The BCNU is not joining the call for mandatory vaccinations, saying the union believes that education and accurate information is the best approach. Should the provincial health officer decide to impose mandatory vaccinations for British Columbians in the future, BCNU's members should obey any order of the PHO. Meanwhile, the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario is taking a tougher stance. If we are going to make good for this winter, we better get on with it now. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Well, the pandemic has been rough for small businesses. First, forced to shut down and lay off workers and now scrambling to bring employees back. Some companies are offering serious money to lure employees. But as Grace Key reports, in many cases, government benefit programs are getting in the way. In the struggle to find workers during the pandemic, a Molly-made franchise in Victoria is offering its workers a $1,000 bonus after the three-month probationary period. In Grand Prairie, Alberta, the franchise is offering a $500 bonus, and it's worked out well. Really good, actually. Um, I find that it's, it's, we, we've retained staff, not only that, but given the opportunity to hold on to staff, um, it's worked out in many cases of building relationships with our staff, in terms of, you know, great work environments, that sort of thing. But it's the hospitality industry that's extremely short-staffed with 40,000 fewer workers in B.C. It's also an industry not in a position to easily hand out bonuses. We'd offer cash incentives. We just don't have any cash. It's been over a year and a half where most places have been breaking even at best and most have been losing money. So we don't have any uh, extra cash we can do. Instead, employers are offering work flexibility and a healthy, supportive work environment. But there's another challenge. Employers are finding some don't want to lose their employment insurance or other benefits they may have had during the pandemic. Government benefit programs, which are well-intentioned and designed to help citizens, have been providing an accidental disincentive to employment in a lot of cases. And we hear that directly from folks coming in who only want to work a couple days a week uh, or want additional flexibility. Until businesses are able to get their employment numbers back up, they're asking for your patience. Grace Key, Global News. Well, getting people to go back to the office is getting some major pushback. Despite initial complaints about endless Zoom meetings and the logistics of working from home, a new study shows some British Columbians would rather quit than go back to the cubicle. And as Kylie Stanton reports, that has employers reconsidering their approach. There have been mishaps, embarrassments, and just sheer hilarity. Can you hear me, Judge? I can hear you. I think it's a filter. But despite it all, it seems Canadians are still very keen to continue working from home. I don't like the race. And uh, it's nice. It's nice to have the balance. According to a new poll, more than half of Canadian households had someone working from home over the past year. Of that, 29% said they would like to continue indefinitely. 44% are looking to a hybrid work model, while only 27% want to return to the office. For the most part, Canadians, I think the takeaway here, have vastly embraced working from home. So what's next? Those conversations are starting to happen. Employers are ready to have their people back at work, but they may be in for quite a battle. The poll found 25% of employees would go back begrudgingly, but would likely start looking for another job. 19% said they would quit right away.
perhaps it's why we haven't necessarily seen employers rush to instruct workers back to the office. But for all the working from home perks like living in sweatpants and flexibility, there is a downside. It's difficult to integrate new employees remotely, mentorship suffers, and sometimes so does productivity. Now, given the pushback, many organizations are looking for ways to ease everyone back in. They're going to move to a hybrid model where on any given day, some percentage of their staff will be working from home, uh, a much, much larger percentage than was true before COVID, but not 100%. There's concern this will only prolong the recovery of downtown businesses reliant on the workforce returning. And while it may be slow, it's said to be moving in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing more people on the street every day. It's a very gradual return, but it's, it's certainly quite evident that it's happening. So may as well make the most of the time that's left. Just take those old records Kelly Stanton, Global News. TransLink is launching a new tool that could alter the experience of your next ride. On the Transit app, passengers will now find a symbol indicating how many seats will be available on the bus they're waiting to catch. It will also show if there is standing room only. It's all part of TransLink's Reconnect campaign, which aims to help customers feel more comfortable boarding transit, knowing there's more space on board. The estimates are based on historical ridership data. Video of an altercation involving the VPD is raising plenty of questions about the incident and the investigation that followed. It happened last fall, but the footage just hit social media a few days ago, showing an officer shoving a man to the ground. Why the video is only surfacing now and how it could prompt another probe. Vancouver's stinkiest attraction is getting ready to bloom. When will the corpse flower unleash its infamous scent? That's later. And a remarkable life from the spotlight of being a Playboy playmate to the dark underworld of drugs. Squire Barnes catches up with Vancouver-born Kelly Tuff and why she believes art saved her life. Right now, though, more on that video we first showed you yesterday of a VPD officer shoving a man to the ground last year. The man who recorded it says officers at the scene tried to take his phone away. But as he tells our Catherine Urquhart, he didn't hear from the VPD or any other investigator after that day. It's Tyler Nielsen says he's still bothered by what he recorded on his phone last year. It was quite shocking, the sound of it, uh, his head hitting the pavement. On September 24th, Nielsen was walking to work when he saw several Vancouver police officers gathered around an elderly woman at Hastings and Abbott. He says when a man questioned how police were dealing with her, an officer shoved him to the ground. Oh, I got that on video, man. Then, police tried to take Nielsen's phone, which he declined to do at the time, fearing his video would be deleted. Get your hands right, off you me. You have evidence, but can you, would you please stop and provide me with that evidence? Following a complaint, a use of force investigation was conducted by the VPD under the direction of the Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner. It found the complaint unsubstantiated. There were six six officers or maybe more on, on site, so I find it hard to believe that nothing was documented and uh, how this, they knew the video existed. No particular reason why you've waited this long to post it. 
I've always wanted there to be an investigation. I just felt that it needed to get to the right person first. Nielsen says Vancouver police have never followed up with him, noting he's a volunteer on the downtown east side and easily locatable. To date, I've not had one officer reach out um, to obtain a statement. I also did stay on scene after the initial incident in the fall, and I never once was asked for my name. In response to that, the VPD says attempts were made to locate the man by his nickname, but they were unsuccessful. The OPCC says it continues to review the case, and the video could prompt further investigation by an external agency. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Coming up, a fitting tribute for the innocent victim of a gangland shooting. It's a legacy for him, and um, he deserves it. The special space dedicated to Paul Bennett and the unnamed donor who made it all possible. And later... You realize you've just done something that nobody else that we could find in the world has done. From wheelchair to whitewater kayaking, a Calgary woman proves anything is possible. Still a busy one here for traffic on the east-west connector through Richmond after clearing an earlier crash westbound near the S-curve. From home to car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit BCAA.com. I'm Trish Wilson in Global One, high above the 91 in Richmond. The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. On Global News Hour at 6. A Vancouver court today heard that the U.S. government acted in bad faith when it requested the extradition of Meng Wanzhou from Canada almost three years ago. A lawyer for the Huawei chief financial officer says the U.S. misused the extradition process, calling its conduct egregious and troublesome. Meng is accused of violating American sanctions against Iran by misleading HSBC Bank about its dealings with Iran. But according to a Vancouver immigration lawyer, the case should be thrown out because HSBC has voluntarily agreed to terminate banking operations on U.S. soil, which was the focus of the entire American case against Hmong. If HSBC has bailed, if the politicians at the highest levels of two countries have agreed this is a priority, Canada's law explicitly gives our Canadian politician the right, the duty, the obligation to review the case based on information that was not available about three years ago that justifies a special exemption. And while the extradition hearing is now into its final weeks, Curland says the journey is far from over. He says appeals could take another six or seven years. The innocent victim of a Surrey gangland shooting now has a special legacy, thanks to a generous donation from an unnamed benefactor. And as Rumina Dea tells us, it has come from one of Paul Bennett's former patients at the hospital where he worked. An epic expansion at Peace Arch Hospital. Under construction, a new ER. Five operating rooms and a legacy project to honor a murdered nurse. Very humbling. Paul wouldn't have ever thought he mattered this much. 
quarter million dollar donation has been made to build the Paul Bennett Staff Lounge in memory of the dedicated operating room nurse, minor hockey coach and devoted father of two. I wish he was here, but you know, this is a, a wonderful gift. What that means for you as a patient is better surgical outcomes. Bennett, just 47, when he was shot in his Surrey driveway in a gangland hit in June 2018. The murder, a case of mistaken identity. Bennett's killer is still out there. No charges have been laid. Sergeant David Lee of IHIT tells us there is a dedicated team working on Bennett's murder. While IHIT won't say if they know who's responsible, Lee says there are persons of interest in the case. The loss still felt by the community, moving Bennett's patient to make the anonymous donation for the Legacy Lounge. I think that the tragedy that befell the Bennett family really touched this particular donor and they wanted to make a tribute in their own way to honour Paul's memory going forward. The Paul Bennett Staff Lounge is expected to open in the new year, giving his hospital family a place to decompress, reflect and remember. I am eternally grateful. Um, my kids will see the legacy of their dad carry on and um, it, it, it truly is humbling and um, I am so thankful. Romina Dea, Global News. Just ahead, a car rental nightmare. It was an honest mistake, but a costly mistake. How a BC woman's insurance ordeal is a warning to all of us. And later, long lines at Kelowna Airport. What was behind the sudden surge in travelers today? The federal government making two more campaign-style housing announcements on the Lower Mainland. Ottawa is extending an $88 million low-cost loan to support construction of Lulem Village on the University Endowment Lands within walking distance of UBC. The project, developed by the Musqueam Capital Corporation, will feature 173 rental units, a third of which will be, low, will be below market rates. Our vision is a, our community is to have income coming in so that we can be self-efficient and pay for our programs in our community. And by working along and working on rentals, that'll be a goal that we can accomplish. Also, as part of its pre-election spending, the federal Liberals announced today an additional $48.6 million in a low-cost loan for a six-story affordable housing project on St. John Street in Port Moody. Well, many people will be renting a vehicle for a summer road trip this year, but do you have the proper insurance? Consumer Matters reporter Andrea is here on why it's so important to read your policy to avoid a costly mistake. And Thanks, Sophie. Know what you are covered for. That's a message from a Squamish woman who got some bad news when she went to make an insurance claim on a damaged rented vehicle. Uh, yeah, it was a total hit and I was really in shock. It was an oversight that cost Henrietta Veenstra thousands of dollars. What was supposed to be a simple vehicle rental turned into anything but. You really, truly thought you were covered. I really, really thought I was covered. Like, there was no doubt in my mind. At the beginning of July, Henrietta flew to Calgary to visit her family. The Squamish resident says when she arrived at the national rental counter, there were no cars available. Busy day, no vehicles available, and then they're like, oh, we're, we're cleaning up a pickup truck. Do you guys want a pickup truck? And we said, sure. 
At the time, Henrietta said no to the extra insurance offered by the rental company because she says she thought she had coverage through her credit card. She then headed to Calgary, and this happened. It was ping pong size hail. It was, it was kind of cool to watch, but we're like, uh-oh, there's the truck parked on the road getting just pummeled by hail. When she returned the truck, she knew she would have to file a claim for the damage. Henrietta says she was confident she would be fully covered, but when she phoned to make the claim, she got some surprising news. The lady on the phone told me, she's like, oh, I don't, pickup trucks aren't covered. I was like, what? What do you mean pickup trucks aren't covered? She's like, it's an exclusion. It was true. When Henrietta took a closer look at her credit card coverage for rental vehicles, it was clearly indicated in the fine print, trucks were excluded. Henrietta was now on the hook for thousands of dollars. Which brings us to a total of $4,424.50. What went through your mind when you got that bill? I kind of felt sick to my stomach. Henrietta did have car insurance through ICBC, but because she's in the middle of selling her car, she just has basic insurance. Had she had ICBC's Roadstar or Roadside Plus, she would have been covered. The bottom line, if you're renting a vehicle, make a call to your insurance provider to better understand the coverage that you have and the coverage that you might need to ensure that you're properly protected in case something happens. Henrietta agrees and hopes by sharing her story, it serves as a warning to others. It was an honest mistake, but a costly mistake. And a reminder, if you travel outside of North America to Mexico, Australia or Europe, for example, your insurance policy may not be applicable, which means you might need to purchase the insurance coverage that's available from the renting organization. Again, check with your policy provider before you go. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks for that, Anne. Her life was altered in an instant, but her drive for adventure and sports never waned. And thanks to an incredible team in Canmore, a Calgary woman is pushing the boundaries and proving you really can achieve anything. Global's Jamie Dahl has her story. Everybody I've discovered walks around with struggles. You can see most of mine. Young and athletic, she had just finished her first year as a phys ed teacher when a motorcycle crash changed the course of Andrea Wojcik's life. So I definitely was suicidal and uh, fortunately I had people who loved me and uh, took care of me through those moments. She doesn't have the use of her body from below her collarbone down, but there's one thing her injury didn't rob her of, sheer willpower. Not much keeps me down. If there's an adventure to be had, I'm in. A self-described adrenaline junkie, last year the 47-year-old decided she wanted to learn how to whitewater kayak. She and a team of about 25 people spent months training and outfitting the boat. I had to do a lot of learning different strokes. Since I don't have abs, I needed a backrest that would kind of provide me some lateral support. It becomes pure creation. You design the boat, you trade one movement for another movement, you improvise, you adapt, and, and it's good fun. Two weeks ago, her dream became reality. She and her team ran class two rapids on the lower Kananaskis River, stretching about seven and a half kilometers. The first couple of rapids, I was kind of having a little heart attack, a little freak out, but got through them fairly confidently, and by the third one, I was like, oh, I got this, Phew! 
you realize you've just done something that nobody else that we could find in the world has done. And I was just like, yeah. Proving the impossible possible. It just takes a dream and some power behind it. I'm still flying high on gratitude. Life is totally a team effort. Ah! Jamie Dahl, Global News. Up next, aggressive and out of control. One gust of wind could just move the fire this way. The massive White Rock Lake fire closer to homes than initially thought. Also ahead at the Bloedel Conservatory, why this is one flower you don't want to stop and smell. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Kelowna International Airport is experiencing an exceptionally busy day as thousands of passengers stranded by flight cancellations earlier this week were rebooked for today. I just want to be home. <laughs> you know, it's been a, it's been a long, long time on hold on the phone and trying to get it figured out, but I'm just excited to go home. This was the long line for security as flights fully resumed after the growing White Rock Lake wildfire created a no-fly zone, grounding most planes for two and a half days. In total, 54 flights were cancelled and that created a backlog of some 8,000 passengers. Airlines added extra flights to today and bigger aircraft to deal with that backlog. But should the wildfire grow to the east again, it could mean more flight cancellations. Meantime, that fire is burning a lot closer to residents living on the northwest side of Okanagan Lake than many thought. Global's Megan Turcato has more on the challenge ahead and how a change in visibility is helping the firefight. A portion of West Side Road where homes have been evacuated continues to be closed to traffic. It's now clear the wildfire threat to the area is closer than first thought. We did have some better visibility yesterday in the afternoon, so we were able to get our... Uh, our air fleet up there, um, and that really helped our operational personnel get a better idea of where that southern and eastern perimeter had really grown to. The White Rock Lake wildfire is now estimated to be eight and a half kilometers from Westside Road. On Tuesday, it was thought to be 15 kilometers away. We are probably about 12 k away from the fires, so for us, it's a little bit safe. We feel a little bit safer, but it's like anything could change. One gust of wind could just move the fire this way, and. Yeah, we're just happy that the smoke's clearing up for the crews now. Structural protection crews have been deployed to the area, and with better visibility, the wildfire service says bucketing helicopters have been able to attack the portion of the fire moving towards the west side, but not ground crews. The fire behavior that we're seeing in that area is, is too aggressive. It's rank three, rank four, um, an active flame front, uh, and the ground's just not really suitable for, for our crews to work in, in safely. Meanwhile, a fire camp is being established at the Kin Racetrack site in Vernon to accommodate around 200 firefighters and support staff. Back on the west side, some residents have put in their own fire guards, but want to do even more to protect their community. I want to go make them wider, actually. That's what I want to do. Doing anything they can as they hope for an end to the looming fire threat. Megan Turcato, Global News. And we are getting a better idea today of just how much damage the village of Lytton sustained in last month's wildfire. The Insurance Bureau of Canada says there has been $78 million in insured damage with roughly 300 claims. Most were related to residential properties. The Insurance Bureau says the Lytton wildfire is a tragic reminder of the increasing risk from climate change. 
It's calling on governments at all levels to take action to better protect communities from fires, floods, extreme heat and windstorms. All right. Well, on that note, let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Schell with uh, more on our forecast. Uh, still pretty dry in many parts of B.C. right now, Yvonne. Yeah, and the fire danger is still at uh, high to extreme, especially for the southern interior. A little bit less smoke, though, for us along the south coast today. And a nice improvement is on the way, especially as we get in towards the weekend. And we've been talking about the potential for some rainfall, the timeline in just a moment. It's still hot, though. It was hazy through the day today. 24 is the current temperature. But away from the water, we still have temperatures into the low 30s and even a touch warmer with the Humidex. Quick glance at the Smoky Skies Bulletin is still extends towards the caribou, the southeastern corners, and we'll continue to see smoke near the wildfires over the next 24 and 48 hours and widespread for a few areas. But we've had a nice and big improvement for the air quality health index along the south coast, and there has been an improvement from high to moderate for many areas and towards the interior, where areas near Kamloops, though, still sitting high at around 6, and that's on moderate for the health risk. Now, the smoke forecast for tomorrow along the south coast, there'll be less smoke, especially as we head in towards the next few days. We'll still see it, though, in towards the southeastern corners and areas and towards the Okanagan Valley. Now, through the evening hours, we are going to watch this next weather maker that is going to push in, and that'll be the same system that'll bring us some showers, and the timeline will be for a Thursday night, and then another wave of rain is going to move in as well. Most areas for tomorrow afternoon will be looking at the risk of thunderstorms, and that is in towards the interior, the central and southern half, and along the south coast, much-needed break, and that'll bring the chance for some showers, but it'll be late tomorrow night, overnight, and taking us in towards our Friday. And then we've got another wave or the potential for showers as we get in towards our Saturday and the beginning of our Sunday. The northern half of the province will stay as rain along the coast. Risk of thunderstorms. We're looking at lightning, a big concern for the interior tomorrow. The southern half, still another hot and sunny day. Temperatures into the 30s, still dry for many areas. And along the south coast, the potential for some showers tomorrow, Friday, and then on our Saturday as well. And temperatures a touch cooler into the low 20s. Tonight's weather window, a smoky sunset. This was captured in Cherry Creek. So, Wow, that's a bit frightening, that picture, but very well done. Thanks very much, uh, Yvonne. It's big, stinky, and attracts a lot of attention. This rare corpse flower named Uncle Fester is just days or maybe a couple of weeks away from blooming at the Bloedel Conservatory, unleashing its infamously smelly scent. The tropical plant emits a powerful stench, which is apparently similar to rotten meat. That's when it fully blooms. But it starts to wilt just one day after opening up. Large crowds converged on the conservatory back in 2018 when the first, when the corpse flower last bloomed. Uncle Fester now is nine years old. In 2018, he bloomed at six years old, so we're quite surprised to see him bloom again so soon, but of course we welcome it. Um, Generally in nature, they bloom every seven years or so, but of course nature is unpredictable. So apparently the smell has also been described as rotting fish Mm. and dirty socks. (laughs) Sounds lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be right near it when it opens (laughs) up. Yeah, don't stop and smell that one. No. And there's a roof on that place, so it's not like you can open Ew. a window and let there's the smell out. In. Yeah, okay. Get a lot of air fresheners. There's not enough yeah. on the planet. <laughs> Probably not. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> uh, hi, Yvonne. Hi, hi. <laughs> uh, Lions quarterback Michael Riley is frustrated because his sore elbow has kept him out of practices all week. I'm the type of guy that you know, generally I take every single rep and then want to stick around later and throw some more 
But the idea is to make sure his elbow isn't sore on opening night, which is Friday. And after sports? Not one single thing in my whole life has ever been what I thought it was going to be. From the highs of living at the Playboy Mansion to hitting rock bottom in Vancouver, why Kelly Tuff considers herself a lucky girl. Big day for Canada, but we'll get to that in a sec. It will. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Uh, the BC Lions are hoping their number 13 can play on Friday when the Lions open up the regular season in Regina against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Michael Riley, as we told you yesterday, has been dealing all week with a sore elbow, which likely came from throwing a lot of footballs during the first two weeks of training camp after almost two years of not throwing a lot of footballs. On, on, on. This has been the extent of Michael Riley's practice week for the BC Lions. Riley didn't throw a single pass during Wednesday's practice and last took first-team reps four days ago. Yet Riley and the Lions say the plan is for him to start Friday against the Riders despite dealing with arm soreness. It's, it's been frustrating because I'm the type of guy that, you know, generally I take every single rep and then want to stick around later and throw some more. But... Uh, I think it's, you know, something that's. it seems like, I haven't talked to the rest of the guys around the league, but just reading reports, it seems like it's definitely something that, uh, you know, most of us are dealing with two years being off where it's like, you know, our just bodies aren't used to this and just trying to get back into it. We're just being uh, cautious with him. He's He feels like he's in a good place as far as knowing what he's doing and the reads and all that stuff, and we're trying to get him as fresh as possible for uh, um, Friday night. So I'm very optimistic. Optimistic because if Riley can't go on Friday, BC would be forced to start their season opener in Regina with 23-year-old rookie Nathan Rourke at the helm. Nothing against Rourke, but starting a raw rookie in front of a sold-out Mosaic Stadium isn't the ideal scenario. Then again, same could be said for starting 36-year-old Michael Riley, who hasn't practiced all week. I think the number one criteria is that who gives us the best chance to win. Um, and, and Mike's in the same boat as we know it's a 14-game schedule, so um, we'll be smart about it. But I could throw the ball as far as I ever have in the past, so the arm strength is good. I mean, I can't throw. I only throw like 10 yards, so definitely come down, and then I won't be able to throw it over the top. It's fine. So you're up the Rico, you can throw it over the- <laughs> During the first week of NHL free agency, a lot of the Canucks signings were made to provide depth in case of injuries, which in turn helps their new farm team in Abbotsford because that's where a lot of those depth players will play. The Abbey Canucks will uh, not start until October 25th. They don't know exactly how many fans they can let in for game number one or the games afterwards, but there are lots of people trying to get tickets for the coming season. Tremendous support from the community on our ticket deposits. Thousands of people have signed up, which is very exciting for us. Uh, People are looking to make a deposit abbotsford.canucks.com. The really exciting part about here is we're in Canucks country. The, the fans that follow our team here are going to see these guys down the road in Vancouver. That's, that's something that's really special. So if you look at the American Hockey League and the NHL relationship, over 90% of the players that play in the National Hockey League come out of the American Hockey League. If you look at the recent Stanley Cup finals, 90% of the players in that final came out of the American Hockey League. 
When Andre de Grasse was chasing Usain Bolt in the last Olympic Games, when they were all over, Bolt said de Grasse reminded him of himself because of the way he runs, the way de Grasse can accelerate in the final part of a race while others are slowing down. And Usain Bolt was right because that man knows sprinting. That's exactly how Andre de Grasse won gold in the men's 200 earlier today. The first Canadian to win that event since Vancouver's Percy Williams way back in 1928. And de Grasse proved his quick time in the semifinal heats was not a one-off. He ran 19.73 seconds in the semis, which was a Canadian record, 19.62 in the final. His first Olympic gold. He's won a medal in every Olympic final he's been in. This is his fifth Olympic medal in a race. His mother, who was a sprinter herself, knew he could win. I, I think I'm always, always more confident um, with him in the 200 meters race because of his, his speed endurance. And um, I really had confidence that he was going to win that gold today. When I, when I saw him come off the bend, like, and he was sort of like in third place, I knew he had it. Both Canada and Sweden's women's soccer teams are wanting the IOC that changed the time of the gold medal final tomorrow. It's supposed to happen at 7 o'clock our time, which is 11 a.m. in Japan on Friday. But that's when the heat and humidity are getting to their most intense levels. The finalists would love the game switch to 5 o'clock in Japan when it's cooler, which would be 1 a.m. on Friday for us, but that has not been approved yet. Corey Dickerson, Corey Dickerson, Corey Dickerson, the Blue Jays at home. And uh, ever since they got home, George Springer has gone off first pitch of the game is deposited in the cheap seats one nothing for toronto the aforementioned dickerson is now going to score marcus simeon and then bo bichette's going to come all the way around to make it three nothing in the first yes and then more dickerson make that more springer actually Another double. That scores two more. It's 8 nothing in the seventh. I said October 25th for the okay. first Abbotsford Heat. Mm -hmm. I was going to say Heat, see? The old oh, Abbotsford yeah. Heat, Abbotsford Canucks. October 22nd is what I really meant to say. I like the go. name Heat. Yeah, anyway. but it was the Calgary Farm team. I know where, yeah, okay. Now it's got to be its... The Canucks. Up Abbey Road. Which Canucks? The Canucks. Yeah, Up Canucks. Abbey Road. There you go. Okay, thanks, Squire. Well, they don't call her Kelly Tuff for nothing. Up next, the remarkable rise and fall and rise again of a former Playboy playmate from B.C. Squire, you have the final word tonight. Well, you said it before the break. Kelly Tuff, that's the real name mm. of this woman, and the name is perfect because she had to be that to get through her life so far. The road Kelly Tuff has taken to becoming an artist sounds like something out of a screenwriter's imagination. From a broken childhood to the centerfold of Playboy magazine, to a battle with drug addiction and drug dealers, and finally to the serenity of her pad and pencil. Nothing's ever what you think it's going to be. Nothing. Not one single thing in my whole life has ever been what I thought it was going to be. As a young woman in Coquitlam, Tuff went from running away to couch surfing and sleeping outside at times. And then while working at a pub, she was approached by a Playboy scout named Ken Honey, which led to working for Playboy boss Hugh Hefner in Los Angeles, 
which obviously changed everything in more ways than one. So if it wasn't for him, I think that because I, I left home so early and, and the Playboy thing hadn't happened, I think I would have gone down a really dark road and probably wouldn't have made it into my 20s. After a few years working and living at the Playboy Mansion in Los Angeles, Kelly returned home and things changed again. Drugs and drug dealers dominated her life and nearly took it. There was a time she had a gun pointed at her head, execution style, but the trigger wasn't pulled. The feeling I had was like, I, I'm good. My sons know that, that I love them. And if this is, at least it's going to be fast. Right? And he changed his mind. And eventually, so did Kelly. She beat her drug habit and through the prodding of a now-departed friend, discovered a talent she didn't know she had. Drawing. It's like an obsession. It's, it's, it just takes me away, right? And, and it's to a place that I really like to be. Her commissions have increased by the month. Portraits of the famous, some she met during her Playboy days, and portraits of herself. She's also co-authored a book that's yet to be published about her life. When I look back on my life, I smile and I... I just, I, I think that, I just think I'm a really lucky girl. A really lucky girl. I've, I've been seeing a lot of good things, a lot of bad things, and, and I got through it, and I found myself, and I'm just really happy that the way, that's the way my life's turned out. Good perspective. Mm-hmm. They don't call her tough for nothing, right? No. Nope. As I said, she had to be to get to where she is now. All right, uh, last word on the weather, Yvonne. Uh, less smoke as we get in towards the next few days. A chance for some showers. That'll be late tomorrow evening, Friday, and leading into the weekend. Can't wait. All right. Thanks for joining us tonight. Have a good evening, everyone.